This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. I cannot express how important it is to make the Bible a priority in every area of your life. You see, what happens is in life, we get busy, guys. We get busy and then we try to fit the Bible in, when in fact what we should be doing is making the Bible the foundation for everything and fitting everything on top of it. And I guarantee you, if you make that decision in your life and begin making the Word of God a priority in your daily life, making it a daily discipline, your life will turn around. Your life will turn around. Now, you may be like me. When I first started out, I was, I, my, my thing was, is, look, I'm good with what they show on the screens. All this reading the Bible stuff is too complicated. You know, whoever wrote the Bible must have been writing it with Shakespeare, and both of them must have been on something because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I mean, that, that was my mindset. And so my, my, my former pastor in San Antonio, he challenged me. He says, you know what? I guarantee you, if you'll put forth the effort, if you'll go to the Christian bookstore, you'll find a Bible that you can understand. I said, all right, I'll take that bet. Went down to the local Christian bookstore, uh, talked to the young guy behind the desk, asked him, hey, I don't understand the Bible. I need a Bible that I can understand. He looked at me. He looked at my buddy. He goes, I got just the Bible for you. Walks us to the back of the building on the bottom shelf and picks up this Bible. And the Bible says, the black Bible, Ebonics. (laughs) And I'm like, what? I said, why would you pick this Bible for me? He goes, well, you know. I'm like, no, I don't know. Tell me. This Bible, so, so in most Bibles, it say, in, in Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In this Bible, it says, way, way back in the day, God, <laughs> Jesus, and them created everything, you know. And I like to share that story, guys. If, if, if they've created something called the Black Bible, they got a Bible for everybody. We should be able to understand a Bible in some way. And, and so let me encourage you, put forth the effort to find a Bible that you can understand. Tonight I want to talk about, how many of you know that life happens to all of us, right? Life happens, right? And sometimes when we expect it, sometimes when we don't expect it, but it happens. There's a scripture found in, in Psalms, and it says, many hardships and perplexing circumstances confront the righteous, but the Lord rescues him from them all. Who are the righteous? All right, about five of y'all are righteous. <laughs> Who are the righteous? If you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life and you're walking with him, you are the righteous. And this scripture says many hardships and perplexing circumstances are going to confront us. Many. But it doesn't stop there, does it? It says, but the Lord. Say, but the Lord. But the Lord Lord delivers us from them all. There's not anything that that, that, that the Lord can't get us out of, folks. There's not anything that he can't pull us out of. But we've got to know there's going to be some challenges along the way. February 12th, 2001, I'll, I'll never forget that date because it was a day that uh, my life and the life of my family changed forever, changed the tra- trajectory of many things in our lives. I'll never forget it because it was a day where they sent a notice of vacate uh, to me and my wife and our two little kids to, to vacate our home. I was 28 years old and... Um, because of several different circumstances, we'd gotten behind on our mortgage, and so they kicked us out of our house, our very first house. Our dream was shattered. Our dream was destroyed. And I never forget telling our, 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 our friends and families, how, how could this happen? I mean, we're, we're serving in the church. We're, 
We're, we're, we're givers. We're, 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 we're trying to live life the, life the right way. I'm taking care of my family. How could this happen? I, and I remember telling everybody, I'm a good Christian guy. This should not happen. But I had no revelation of what the Word of God said. I now know that even when you're doing everything right, challenges are going to come. But we've got to keep in the front of our minds and in the front of our hearts that God will never leave us or forsake us, guys. We were kicked out of that house, and, and uh, we spent a little time at my parents' house, but ultimately we ended up in, in this duplex on the, on, on the very bad side of town, wrong side of town. We shared, right next, next to us was a, a couple who were the, the, the local drug dealers for the entire San Antonio area. No, that's not funny. I mean, serious stuff. I mean, I would be at work, and my wife would call crying because, then we're talking a duplex, and there would be officers surrounding the duplex with guns drawn trying to capture the people who were in the, the other side of the wall. Not only that, we found out that the wife was actually wanted for murder up in Ohio. Across the street, we didn't know at the time, but every time I would go and check the mail, I'd be walking, and these people had a camera. And you'd be walking, and the camera would just follow you all the way to the mailbox and then follow you all the way back. Found out after they moved out that they were uh, in the witness protection program from Mexico. <laughs> and uh, people said, yeah, there was a threat. You know, some mafia guys came over a couple of times, and we're thinking, what? This is nuts. My favorite was this down the street. You know, we were there for almost two years, and, you know, I'm, I'm a little slower than my wife. And I remember coming home one day, and, and this, this, this duplex at the end of the street, um, it was a, a single lady, and, and, and she had a red light. And I, I came home, I'm like, who in the world puts a red light on the front porch? And why are there always men going in and out of her house? I don't understand what's going on. There's cars blocking up the street. I can't get in the driveway, and all kind of guys are going in all hours of the night. What's going on? And my wife was like, Derek, sweetie, red light, single woman, lots of men. Light bulb. <laughs> I said, oh. But I think the worst thing of it all was in our duplex, we, be, we would be lying in bed at night and there would be rats running up and down the hallways in the kitchen. There were scorpions on the floor. One, one morning I got up to go to work and there was a snake in my closet. So it was not a good situation. I can honestly tell you during that season of my life, I was not a happy person. I was angry at God. You ever been angry at God? I mean, you know, truth be told, I was angry at God. I was angry at the person who I felt put us in this situation. Um, uh, the, the employer that my wife was working for failed to pay us for several months, which caused us to get behind on our bills. And so I got very angry at that individual. And, and, and all I was doing during that season of my life was murmuring and complaining to God about how would he allow us to get in this position. Why did he allow this to happen? Why did he allow this guy at the church who I trusted to put me in this situation? Why, 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 why? And day after day after day, do you think my situation got any better? No. It wasn't until I made the decision to get over myself and to get back in the Word of God that I found the answer. I began reading the Word of God. I don't know how I got there, but there's a story in the, in the Scriptures about a young man who owes, owes, owes this ruler a big amount of money. 
And he's going down the street, and, and, and the ruler calls him in, and the ruler, he says, he says where's my money? And the young man says, I can't, I can't pay you. You know, please, please forgive me. And so the ruler forgives him of this huge debt. He, in turn, turns around, goes down the road, and there's this young man that owes him a small amount of money. He refuses to forgive the young man, and he ends up getting trouble with, in trouble for it with the ruler, and, and, and that's the gist of the story. As I read that, the Lord began to speak to my heart. He began to say, you have to release that guy who didn't pay you and your wife. Release him of that. Release it and let it go. And I remember, and I said it out of my mouth, no. (laughs) Like, why don't you go talk to him and tell him to give him my money? I'm just being real, guys. That's, That's the only way I know how to be. And I wrestled with God for several days. And every time he came back, I was like, I will not. I am not going to tell that man it's okay because what he did was not okay. But, guys, how many of you know that it's better to be obedient to the Lord than to be right about a situation? And so I had to get over myself. And that day soon came. And when I got over myself, I figured the only way I could do this is I had to physically forgive him. So I called him up, and I, and I asked to, to, to meet with him, went to his office. He came in, and I remember telling him, just wanted to talk to you about the situation. And um, I, I said, you know what? And, and for me, I said, you know, I value the relationship. So I just wanted to let you know that don't worry about what you owe us. It's forgiven. It, it, let's move forward. And he looked at me, and he said, whatever, and walked out. Ooh. I got upset, very upset. But you know what? I did what God told me to do. In turn, I, I went back and went about my business, and then all of a sudden things started, started happening. I, I don't know. I, w- I was feeling a little lighter now. It was almost like this burden was lifted off of me. I couldn't explain it at the time. But what it was was is I released that, that bitterness, that root of bitterness that I had on it. I released it, and now God was able to begin working in my situation. And I'll never forget it. Um, days, weeks, months went by, and then one day I'm reading in the Word of God, you know, because at the time, you know, we, we were attending a, a smaller church, and, and there's something about some small churches where everybody knows your business, everybody knows what's going on, you know, and everybody told us we screwed our lives up, you know, we, you know nothing would ever be good for us, uh, we should just throw in the towel and give up. During that time also, um, that in the individual along with someone else, um, there were some lies that went around against me personally, and um, we were serving in the church in a, in, with the youth during the time, doing some good things with the youth, and um, because of the lies, because of the, 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 the things that were done, we ended up pulling back and, and, and getting out of ministry altogether. I, I didn't want anything to do with ministry at the time because um, of how I had been hurt with it, and, and so um, as we moved forward, uh, the Lord began to move on my heart, and I'll never forget, I was driving home one day, and I got this this thing that just dropped in my spirit. And, and, and the thing was, is call the credit agencies. I'm like, what? Call the credit agencies. That doesn't sound right. And, and so and later on, I went back in, in, at home and I was reading in the Word of God and, and studying the Word. And, and, and as I studied more in the Word, again, I, I just got this overwhelmed, f- overwhelming feeling to call the credit agencies. And so I said, well, it can't hurt to try. They don't know me. I mean, if they say no, then you know, what do I have to lose? So I picked up the phone and I called the credit agencies and, and um, 
lady, nice lady answered the phone and she said, may I help you? And so I said, yes, ma'am, I wanted to call to you, talk to you about something that's on my credit report. And so she said, well, what is it? And I told her it was the foreclosure that we had um, on the report. And she goes, okay, sir, I can help you with that. She goes, is it on the report in error? And I said, no, ma'am. So she paused for a minute. She goes, well, are the amounts incorrect on there? I said, no, ma'am. And so she said, uh, so sir, let me get this straight. The foreclosure that's on your credit report uh, and the amount of it is all correct. I said, yes, ma'am. And she goes, and so why do you want to get it taken off? I said, because you're a nice lady and I would like you to do it for me. <laughs> and so she says, hold on. And, and I don't know if you've ever been on the phone and you know somebody's talking about you. But like you can hear them in the background. And I can hear, and then you hear somebody laughing and then she comes back. Okay, sir, uh, we're going to review your credit report. And we'll get back to you in seven to ten business days, yada, yada, yada. And then she said thank you and hung up. So I thought, ah, it's worth a try. So I went on about my business, staying in the word of God, trusting the Lord that he was going to turn the situation around. Two weeks later, I go to the mailbox. I open the mail, and there's a letter from the credit agency. Open up the letter and, and, and pull it out, and it says, Dear Mr. Thompson, after review of your credit report, we have determined that this item, it was the foreclosure, that's on your credit report is on there in error, and we, we have removed it immediately, and, and if you have any questions, feel free to call us. And I thought, is this for real? <laughs> and so as I was walking home, the Lord reminded me that when you released that debt, I released yours. And we've got to understand, guys, that when we do things God's way, he will bless us supernaturally. And so I walked in the house and I showed my wife, I said, sweetie, look at this. And she said, is it real? I said, well, let's check. She goes, what do you mean? I said, let's go buy a house. <laughs> and so we went across town and, and there was this subdivision that we were looking at over on the edge of the hill country. And we went in and we, we talked to the guy and, and um, you know, on, the, on your application, they ask, always ask you if you've had a foreclosure or whatever. And so I checked, yes, I'm not gonna lie, yeah. And so he, he, he takes the application, he goes back, he runs the credit report, and then he comes back confused. He said, uh, Mr. Thompson, I got a question. I said, yes, sir. He says, on your application, you said that you have a foreclosure. I said, yes, sir. He goes, but when I ran the report, nothing came back. I said, yes, sir. He goes, I'm confused. And so I told him the story. And he said, young man, can I give you some advice? I said, certainly. He said, if it's not on your credit report, it never happened. And I said, I can, do with, I can deal with that. <laughs> and so when he said that, God showed me. He goes, son, he said, when you trust me, I have a way of erasing past mistakes and making it like it never happened. He said, in Revelations, I make all things new. And guys, I want to encourage you tonight because life's going to happen to you, but you've got to know that God's able to make all things new. There's a story in the Bible, one of my favorite stories. It's a story about David. Um, and his men um, and when they're coming back to Ziklag. And we'll, we'll pick that up in 1 Samuel. It says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because, because of the soul of all the people was grieved. 
every man for his sons and, and, and for their daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the, the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring me the ephod here, here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them without fail and recover all. And we'll read the other one in just a minute. You know, one of the things I want to make sure, guys, that you know is, is you know, if, if, if you're in a place in your life where something's been taken from you and stolen from you, the very first thing that we can learn from David is he strengthened himself in the Lord and he inquired of the Lord. See, a lot of times when life happens to us, we try to do things in our own strength. Am I the only one? We try to fix it because we're wired to fix it, right? But I found that when I try to fix things, things get worse every time. And, and, and what I found is we've got to invite God in to every, every situation. But, but unfortunately, we live in a society where we're smarter, we're, we're, we're faster, you know, we have more degrees than we can count, and, and we think we know more than God sometimes. And what I found is, is that's, that, that's going to get you into a lot of trouble. It's gotten me into a lot of trouble. It reminded me of a story back when I was in high school. I, I played on a basketball team that we, we were actually 28-1. and one. We, we were a very good basketball team. Uh, we were so good that, uh, you know, our heads got pretty big and, 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 and we started believing how good we were. And in one particular game, uh, I remember we were in, in the locker room prior to the game starting and we were goofing off and fooling around. Coach came in trying to get our attention and then coach, he looked at me because I was one of the captains and he said, you guys act like you can do it on your own. And me out of my big mouth said, we got it, coach. We don't need you. So coach turned around and went out the locker room and went and sat in the stands. And I'll never forget that game because we went out and I, me and my big mouth, we don't need him. We're good. You know, we, we've done all this in our own strength. You know, what does he do? He just sits over there in his suit, you know, with his arms crossed, yelling at everybody. I said, we can do this. We've done it 27 times. Why do we need him, you know, today? So we went out there. And the team that we had beaten handedly for four straight years by an mar average margin of 25 points at halftime was up on, by 30 points on us. 30 points. Unheard of. We came into to the locker room at halftime arguing and bickering and fussing and fighting. And I'll never forget this lesson because coach walked in. He looked at all of us and he says, now, have you gotten over yourself? Are you ready to listen to me? And, and we all said, yes, sir. He goes, if you'll listen to me and do everything I'll tell you, he goes, I guarantee you a victory. Guys, can I tell you, at the end of that game, we took a 30-point deficit and turned it into a 20-point victory. Why? because we listened to our leader and he led us to victory. Guys, can I encourage you tonight? Can I encourage you to start pressing into the Lord, start inquiring of the Lord, inviting him into your situations and asking him for clarity and direction on how to overcome the challenges that you're facing? Invite him into every situation and, 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 and don't start making decisions without including him in, in, in the process because when you do that, he'll lead you to victory every time, every single time. So when life happens, guys, how should we respond? Well, the first thing we've got to do is we've got to settle within, our, within ourselves that God's the answer. See, some of us, we don't even think about God. But he is the answer. In Hebrews 11.6, it says, For without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because whoever comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. See, what happens is a lot of us, we, we believe he exists, because we've accepted him as, as our Lord and Savior, right? But it doesn't stop there. We've also got to believe that he also rewards, that he also blesses, that he also 
moves mountains on our behalf, that he also does the impossible for us. Why? Because he loves us. That's all a part of the package. He's more than a savior. Do you realize that? So three of us know that he's more than a savior. You know he's more than a savior? Did you know he's your healer? Did you know he's your provider? Did you know he's your restorer? Your strengthener? Do you know he's the God of more than enough, right? He's the God who brings peace. He's the God who brings order. You know, I I, I liken all those things to gifts. You know, I I have three kids. And uh, Christmas Christmas is my favorite time of the year because Christmas I get to give to my family, bless my babies. And uh, my oldest is 22. And I can guarantee you, in those 22 years, he's never come downstairs and only opened one gift. He's opened his gifts. Sometimes he's opened my gifts. Sometimes he's opened his mom's gifts. Why? Because in his mind, they all belong to him. (laughs) Guys, God wants us to receive all the gifts that he has for us. Gifts of peace, gifts of of, of, of abundance, gifts, gifts of, of, of order and strength, and he wants to be able to restore in our lives. He wants to do all those things, but we've got to allow him to do those things. We've got to begin seeing him as someone who rewards uh, no matter what, what you're dealing with in your life. God wants to be involved, and when he's involved, uh, he'll turn things around. I, I made a note here. It says, when an atmosphere of unbelief makes it difficult for you to believe God is the answer, then you must seek a different setting. See, sometimes unbelief creeps in and we're unsure if God was, is willing to help us or can help us. All right, I'm going to go to this side over here. <laughs> Sometimes we're unwilling to believe that God will help us or is willing to help us. And we've got to realize that he is the God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That if he did it for David, he'll do it for Derek. That if he did it for Miss Joy, he'll do it for Justin. That if he did it for Chrissy, he'll do it for Dave. He'll do it for anybody, guys. He'll do it for you. He's a God who loves us all just the same. But if you find yourself struggling with unbelief because of the environment you're in, you need to uproot and go somewhere else. And that's very important, very key. Why? Because the Bible even tells us that even Jesus was limited in an environment of unbelief. We've got to put ourselves in a place where there's faith, where there's a belief, where people are agreeing with you. Why? And that's where the blessings of God flow. And what happens is, as you begin to experience God's uh, supernatural power in your life, nothing is impossible or too difficult for God. Mark 9.23 says, all things are possible for the one who believes. The second thing we've got to do is we've got to find out the will of God. Why do we need to know the will of God? Well, 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So it's important that we find out what the will of God is, because when we know what the will of God is, we'll begin praying according to the will of God. You get that? Example. I teach in classes upstairs, and one day I had one of the people in my classroom come out and say, Mr. Derrick, I know what I'm believing God for. I said, great, what are we going to believe God for? She goes, I want you to pray. I want you to pray that God is going to send me 
the right man. We're going to get married, and, and, and I know exactly who he is. I said, oh, wow, who is he? She goes, he's right over there. I said, isn't he married? She said, yes. <laughs> I said, um, I don't believe it's God's will to break up a marriage so that you could be married. So what we're going to do is pray for God's wisdom. She goes, nope, God told me he's the one. I said, okay, well, then what you need to do is go get a scripture that validates what you're saying. And she never came back to me. It's important that we know the will of God. The will of God is found in his word. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is alive, active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I like to say it exposes. It gets in there and exposes what's the truth and what's not. And so anytime you feel like God's leading you to do something, go to the word of God. Because God will always confirm something with his word. And if you're unsure about a matter, I always say, I have this imaginary shelf. Put it on the shelf. Because if it's God, it will come back and he will confirm it with his word. Every word of God proves true. The Bible says that in Proverbs 30 and 5, every word of God proves true. Every word. From Genesis to Revelation, every word proves true. And so if God says he'll bless you, guess what? He's going to bless you. If God says he's going to heal you, guess what? He's going to heal you. If God says he's going to restore you, guess what? He's going to restore you. If God says that child who's acting the fool today will come back in line at some point in time, guess what? He's going to come back in line at some point in time. Every word of God proves true. And then the final point of why we need to uh, make the word of God a priority in our lives is this. Isaiah 55, 11 says, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return void but it will accomplish for the very purpose and intent that I sent it. And so when God's word goes forth, it's producing in our lives. It produces on our behalf. Here's a point. I, I learned this from Miss Joy. Uh, she, she said this several years ago. She said, when, re when received, God's word of promise will never be barren. The power in his word will always fulfill the promise of his word. God's word is full of power, guys. It can move mountains on our behalf. And so you want to put God's word in your situation. Uh, the other thing here is we want to invite the Holy Spirit into the situation. Uh, understand we weren't meant to do life alone. God gave us the Holy Spirit to walk with us. Pastor just did a 12-week uh, lesson on the Holy Spirit. And so we need to understand clearly as a church, the Holy Spirit is our friend. He's our guide. He's our counselor. He's here for me to help me in my daily life in every, in every area of life. John 16, 13 says, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears the father speak, and he will tell you of things to come. So he's going to speak to you what's truth, and, and, and he's going to let you know what is right for your life. Um, and, and then the final thing of finding the will of God is we want to seek counsel, godly counsel. Emphasis on godly. Um, because some people think their counsel is, is, is good, but sometimes it makes no sense. Like I remember when we were in our dark place and going through what we were going through, and I went and told somebody, and, he, and, and the guy said, you know what, you just got to take the bull by the horns. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what does that even mean? Why, why would I even want to grab horns on a bull? That makes no sense. <laughs> and then I started telling him about the situation where the guy owed us money, and, you know, I had this beautiful family, and, and God was doing some great things, and why was this going on? And he said, son, you just can't, you can't have your cake and eat it too. And I'm like, if someone gives you cake, you, you want to eat it. I mean, that makes no sense. <laughs> I, I don't understand that logic. 
we need good, godly counsel, folks. People who know the Word of God, who will encourage you in the Word of God, not people who come up with all this other weird stuff. It's crazy. God never meant for us to do life alone. Never. If you're in this church and you feel alone, you're cheating yourself. You are cheating yourself. And I'm speaking for someone who, who had every intention of being alone. Anybody who knows me, when I first came to this church, I was standoffish. I didn't really want to talk to anybody. I mean, I didn't want to talk to any of y'all. I'll maybe be real honest. I, I, that's where I was in life. And, and in fact, I had a, a fellow person on our, on our team. She looked at me and she goes, I was scared of you when you first came because you, you didn't speak to anybody. And it was because I was hurt. I was broken. I was hurt. And, and, and I, I was withdrawn. In fact, my wife will tell you, uh, our very first day here, I told her, look, I'm back row Bob. You're side door Sally. We don't want to talk to anybody. We're going to go to service. As soon as pastor says, amen, you grab the kids. I'll warm the car up and we'll be out of here. And if you know my wife, my wife did not listen. She, uh, on day one, was engaging with people. Day two, you know, the second week, she started volunteering up here, and, and the rest is history. So, you know, I'm grateful for her for not listening to the game plan. <laughs> the third thing here is, because and, and, I'm running out of time, we've got to act on God's direction. I, I say this in all my classes. Life change happens in the application. Life change happens in the application. If you're not applying what you're hearing from the Word of God, then your life is going to be the same to this time next year. You've got to be applying what you're learning from the Word of God, what you're learning from the services, what you're learning in the classes. You've got to apply the Word of God. And when you begin to apply it, there, there, there comes this movement in your life. And what was stolen from you will be returned to you. Real quick, I'll just sum this up real quick. God really brought this full circle. We were in that duplex. I got a promotion on my job, which brought us to Houston. Uh, when we came to Houston, God really blessed us on the job and, and did some great and mighty things. One of the, the main things that I wanted to, to wrap up with uh, is this. During that spell when we lost everything, um, December 31st of that year, we had something called a watch night service. And on that service, uh, one of the things that you were supposed to do was get up and declare what the Lord was going to do in your life. So everybody in the church, we had a church of about 150 people, they would get up and they would talk about how God was going to bless them with a house. And the whole church would break out in celebration and singing and music. And then somebody else would get up there and say, the Lord's going to bless me with a husband. And everybody would get up singing and dancing and, and it just shouting and praising. And then somebody would get up and say, God's going to bless me with money. And they get get up there and shouting and dancing and singing. And then I got up there and it was like, okay, what's he going to say? And I had been reading the word and God put something in my heart that he was going to do something new, that something great was up ahead. And I got up to the mic, and God showed me this image. And he said, I'm going to take you to a new place, a new land. He said, I'm going to put you in a place where you don't know anybody, and then I'm going to raise you back up. I'm going to build you back up. I'm going to give you hope again. I'm going to make you, help you to start believing again. And he said, and then one day, you're going to have the opportunity to stand in front of a group of people from all races, from all walks of life, to share the good news of the gospel. So today I'm a little emotional because the fulfillment of that is today. Well, why did that happen? It's because I got over myself and I invited God into my situation. Guys, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Life's going to happen even beyond this day. My encouragement to you is to invite God into every situation. Will you bow your heads, please? This, this evening, 
you know, we, we've talked about a lot of things, but this evening, you, you may be here and you may, you, may, you may feel like, you know, Derek, that's all fine and dandy, but I don't even know God yet. I'm not there, man. Um, I haven't even accepted him as my Lord and Savior. You know, my encouragement to you is tonight, if you'll make that decision, that, that the tide of the battle for you will turn tonight. Or you may feel like, you know what, I've known the Lord, I've fallen away from him, I haven't always done right. I want to get back with him there again. If you'll make that decision tonight, my encouragement to you is the tide of the battle will turn. So tonight I'm, I'm going to ask, you know, here we have a prayer that we say all together. This is your opportunity. If you feel like that you want to give your life to the Lord, if you feel like you want to come back to him tonight, uh, I'm going to ask you with every head bowed, eyes closed, if that's you, if you'll raise your hand tonight, and we're going to pray with you. We're not, not going to make you come up front or anything, but we're, we're going to pray with you and encourage you tonight. All right, I see your hands. I'm going to lead you into prayer. We're going to, as a church family, all say it together. Say, Dear God, Dear God I know mankind needs a Savior. And I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a, new, a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.